Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. I want to start today's episode by asking you to use your imagination. So I want you to pretend that it's the end of the day at school, you're getting ready to leave, you're sitting at your desk, and you're reflecting on your day. So I want you to get that image in your mind of you sitting at your desk. And you're looking back on your day, and you feel really good about everything that you accomplished. You feel like it was a productive day because you actually got some meaningful work done. And just the really good feeling that you have as you leave your office and turn off the lights at the end of the day, feeling like you had a productive day. Now, you've imagined that, and I wonder how long it's been since you've felt that way. And I want to share a quote with you that I came across recently, and the quote is, it's easy to be busy, but it's hard to be productive. And so on today's episode of the Private School Leader Podcast, we're going to talk about the false productivity trap and how to avoid it. And the three things that we're going to do are, first, what is the false productivity trap? Second, the reasons that we are actually addicted to false productivity. And third, we're going to talk about the four ways to avoid the false productivity trap. But before we jump into that content, I just want to ask for a quick favor. It's my mission to help private school leaders all over the world thrive at their schools. And you can help with that by writing a review and rating this episode wherever you listen to this podcast. And then the algorithm pushes it out to more leaders and more can hear this content and hopefully it will help them serve their schools. So um, you can also give me some valuable feedback in your review or by emailing me at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. If you have ideas for future episodes or feedback about this podcast, that's mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And the other thing I wanted you to remember is, is that if you go to my website, theprivateschoolleader.com, there are a ton of free resources there for you to help you with your leadership at your school. Go to theprivateschoolleader.com slash resources. There are three plug-and-play PDs, um, one on teacher-parent communication, one on the seven habits of highly effective private school teachers, and one on how to turn pedestal kids into gritty kids by implementing growth mindset at your school. And those are 45-minute webinars with guided questions and discussion questions that you can use at a staff meeting or just to coach up a teacher who needs some help with parent communication or self-care. Also on that page, that resources page, there are top 10 lists of leadership books, productivity books, TED Talks, and a guide of different things that you can do to be a better leader at your school. So again, the privateschoolleader.com slash resources. So I said a few moments ago that it's easy to be busy it's hard to be productive. 
And I want to just acknowledge that it's actually difficult to measure productivity for private school leaders. So think about that for a moment. How do we measure productivity as we lead our schools? Is it enrollment? Is it coming in under budget? It's a lot easier to measure productivity in some other industries. So for example, if it's a salesperson at a car dealership, they sell X number of cars in a month. If it's an Amazon delivery driver, that driver delivers X number of packages in a day. If it's a roofer or a roofing company, how many roofs did they put on um, in a month or in a year? So there are ways to define productivity, but it becomes more difficult when the conversation turns to private school and independent school leadership. So for example, if I think about that conversation that I had with that first grade teacher about his mom's surgery. Was that a productive use of my time? How do I measure that? The finance committee meeting about next year's budget or science fairs coming up and the science teacher is kind of overwhelmed and so I offer to cover her recess duty for the week. So was that a productive use of my time? I say yes but how can I possibly measure that? So it is difficult to measure productivity in independent school leadership. So I just want to acknowledge that. But I also want to remind you and give you some strategies that we can be more effective and more productive. So let's talk about this false productivity trap. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before, but it, I think it's pretty fascinating and it's something that we all fall into sometimes almost every day, but let's talk about this. So what is the false productivity trap? It is feeling like you're busy, but your actions are not accomplishing your goals. So busy work or performing low value tasks that make you feel like you're being productive, but at the end of the day, you didn't accomplish anything meaningful. So that's the trap. The trap is you feel like you were productive, but you didn't accomplish meaningful tasks, and then you don't feel like you had a productive day, and then you're stuck in that trap, the false productivity trap. So that's why it's called false productivity, because we feel like we're being productive, but we aren't really working on meaningful work, and then we're trapped in that um, in that cycle. And um, I saw a, a quote in a Fast Company blog post that I'll link in the show notes, and it said, false productivity is when you expend your energy on tasks that don't ultimately help you reach your goals, end quote. So now that we know what false productivity trap is, let's talk about why we are addicted to false productivity. And this is from a blog post from flippingcheck.com, flippingheck.com. And again, I'll link that in the show notes. But the four reasons that we are addicted to false productivity are completion bias, number two, random rewards, number three, rule of reciprocation, and number four, shame attached to the hustle culture in America. So first is completion bias. So the brain releases dopamine when we complete a task. The problem is, is that our brain doesn't know if it was a meaningful task or not. And that makes us more likely to do low value tasks like open emails. So 
if we come sit down at our desk, we're not really sure what to do. We open up email and we get through, let's say a dozen emails. We get a little bit of dopamine because we accomplished a task, but that task has to be done. And let's face it, not every task that we do in a day is meaningful, but our brain doesn't know the difference between meaningful tasks or low value tasks. And we get dopamine when we complete a task. So it's easier to do low value tasks. And so completion bias means that we are much more likely to do low value tasks than we are meaningful tasks. So completion bias. So we get that. And I'll get to some strategies later as far as how we overcome that. But right now we're talking about why we are addicted to false productivity. We know what it is, but why are we so stuck? Why do we keep falling into this trap? Well, number one, completion bias. Number two is random rewards. And again, these are based on psychology, uh, behavioral science, and brain science. So random rewards Everyone loves to be praised and see their efforts recognized. Of course we do, especially as leaders, because let's face it, it kind of comes very infrequently as leaders that uh, praise. Your email inbox can be an inexhaustible source of much needed instant gratification. So your, your emails might have, and again, I emphasize the word might, Every once in a while, you get an email where someone expresses gratitude or when someone says th- um, recognizes um, something that you did, acknowledges something that you did. And those emails are highly addictive. We, who doesn't love getting an email like that? But the problem is, is that random rewards means that since we don't know when we're going to get that email and we do this almost entirely subconsciously, that the reason, one of the reasons that we check email so often is because of random rewards. That that little um, bit of dopamine that we get when we check email that I mentioned um, previously, well, in addition to that, another reason we're addicted to our email is because of random rewards. Every once in a while we get that nice email but we get hundreds of emails that are either neutral or negative, and, but we keep going back because every once in a while we get that um, email where someone expresses gratitude or acknowledges something that we did. So the reasons why we're addicted to false productivity, completion bias, number two, random rewards, and number three, rule of reciprocation. So this is a very powerful social mechanism that exists, the rule of reciprocation. And it urges people to return a favor immediately. So when someone does or says something nice, we feel feel compelled to, to um, reciprocate right away, to answer right away. So you may feel an urgent need to answer every direct message or incoming email immediately, no matter what you're doing or what other priorities you may have. And I don't know about you, but um, I interact with some people who, especially now that we have wearable technology, where <clears throat> they will get a notification that they have an email in their inbox or it's a text, what have you, and they will drop whatever they're doing to reply immediately. And they feel this urgent need to do so. And the problem is, is that the rule of reciprocation is a really bad habit that will ruin your focus and make you very unproductive in the long run 
and it will take you away from things that you should be working on, um, even though you may feel like you're doing your job and getting things done. So you, you're also feeding the beast. And let me explain what I mean by that. If you are, if you get an email and people know you're always on email or know that you have your email notifications turned on and you're always responding right away, then you're feeding the beast. And that means that now people are going to expect a reply right away. And you're also going to feel more of an urgent need to reply right away. And some people even wear it as a badge of honor or a source of pride that they reply to emails right away. Well, you're going to hear me say this more than once, but your email inbox is a chronological list of everyone else's priorities. And so it is actually not best practice. It's like worst practice for you to be responding to emails right away. But let's think about this. Why are we addicted to false productivity? It's because of the rule of reciprocation. It's a powerful social mechanism that if someone does something nice for us or it's even a nice email or they get back to us with an answer, even if it's like we feel compelled to reply and say, thanks so much, that's still taking us away from tasks that need more focus and more concentration. And then number four is shame attached to the hustle culture. So there is this entrepreneur um, that's very famous in America. His name is Gary Vanderchak. And Gary V, as he's known, is um, all about hustle and the grind. And he literally talks about if, you're, um, if your business isn't growing, he asks, what are you doing between 2 a.m. and 7 a.m.? He has a whole... Um, uh, he has a whole um, section of his business where they they talk about these these hidden hours or lost hours between 2 a.m. and 7 a.m. So just think about that for a second. That's crazy. That is just crazy. Um, in American culture, being super busy is an expectation. Okay. So I'll prove it to you. Someone asks, well, how's it going? Oh, super busy. Okay. That's how we say it. That's how I answer it too. Because you know, if someone's like, well, how's it going? And you're like, you know what? It's going great. Um, I, I took a nap today and I um, went for a walk in the neighborhood and I did this and I did that, that people are going to judge us as being lazy because in American culture, unfortunately with entrepreneurship and gr the grind and 24, seven, 365, and you know, are you working harder than the competition? And you know, all of this entrepreneurial hustle culture, um, toxicity that's out there. Um, it's just that being super busy is an expectation. And that's especially true for people who have children. And it's like, yeah, running around, taking this kid to this practice and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that all may be true, but it's becoming kind of an expectation in our culture. And like I said, that there's a, a perception on our part that if we're not super busy, then we're lazy. And um, I just want to mention that, um, you know, last year um, at Christmas time, my daughter purchased a hammock um, for me. And we just so happened in our backyard to have these two trees that are the perfect distance apart for a hammock. And so during this past summer, there were times when I would go out and uh, in the hammock, I would like read a book um, or just lay there and look at the sky. And I mean, literally, this is probably the first time that I've done this in my life. Um, and I'm 55 years old. Um, but I 
also did not tell people at work about being in the hammock. Um, because why? Well, <laughs> because I was worried that people were going to like be like, oh, it must be nice. Sure wish I had time to lay around in a hammock and that people would perceive me to be lazy. Even when it was like on a weekend or on my summer break when I was off for a week or whatever, um, laying in a hammock for an hour, um, I don't tell people about that because of the shame attached to the hustle culture. So when we think about the four reasons why we are addicted to false productivity, it's completion bias, random rewards, rule of reciprocation, and shame attached to the hustle culture. So now that we know what false productivity trap is, and we know why we're addicted to it, then I want to talk about the nine ways to avoid the false productivity trap. So I know nine is a lot, um, and I don't want you to try to remember all of these. And so again, I'll take good care of you at theprivatescoolleader.com slash episode 17 is where you can grab the show notes. So let's go through these and I'll just list them all once and then we'll go through them one by one. And all of them are, are really just brief points, but these are strategies that um, I've used and have made a big difference for me. And I want that for you too. I want you to feel productive at the end of the day. So let's just go through them. Um, here are the nine ways to avoid the false productivity trap. Number one, turn off social media notifications. Number two, turn off email notifications. Number three, schedule time to check email. Number four, it's not the quantity of hours, but the quality of hours. Number five, abandon the concept of multitasking. Number six, get really clear on two goals. Number seven, assess the meetings on your calendar. Number eight, two questions on Friday afternoon. And number nine, listen to episode seven of this podcast. So number one, turn off social media notifications. So if you have social media notifications on your phone, on your laptop, or on your wearable technology, every time that there's a little ding or a little vibrate, because someone liked one of your posts on Instagram or someone that you know posted something to Facebook or they tweeted something, someone that you follow tweeted something, or maybe something's happening in the news and it's letting you know about some celebrity that died. The problem is, is that we get, there's two things going on here. One is, is that that little ding or vibrate gives us a little hit of dopamine and also we have the fear of missing out FOMO. And so social media notifications turned on during your workday is one of the two top things that is going to impact negatively impact your productivity. So I plead with you to turn off social media notifications really all day, but especially during the workday and maybe just catch up on your feed. Um, you know, while you're, eating lunch, um, or at some other point in time. Okay. Number two, turn off email notifications. So again, on your smartphone, on your, um, wearable technology, your smartwatch, I just can't emphasize enough. If I had to pick one productivity tip out of all of the ones that I could share with you, it would be to turn off email notifications and, Remember when COVID started um, in 
um, February and March of 2020, and there were medical professionals that were telling us how many times a day we touched our face. I know I was shocked. It was like 237 times a day or something, and some numbers were way higher than that. And I'm like, there's no way. Um, well, the research shows that we check our phones at least twice a minute on average during the day. And for some people, it's much more often than that. So if we're doing something twice a minute over the course of the entire school day, you multiply that by 10 hours, we're checking our phone hundreds of times a day. Let's not have things that are dinging our phone or vibrating that are email or social media because we're going to have it um, ding often enough when it's a text from a teacher who got a call that their kid at school, their other school is sick and they need to leave or, um, you know, the whatever that's internal that's legit at school that we get texts about, there's enough things that are going to distract us and disrupt our day and interrupt us from trying to get work done. We don't need to make it worse by having email notifications and social media notifications turned on. All right, I'll get off my soapbox about those two things. So let's go on to number three, schedule time to check email. Again, this is huge. This was a huge, huge game changer for me as far as productivity. And um, I'll say it again, your email inbox is a chronological list of everyone else's priorities. You schedule time, maybe 30 minutes or 20 minutes, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. You block off that time. You use self-discipline. You turn off those notifications. Think about it. What, how many times is there something that would be in your inbox that is so urgent, that is so important that you need to respond to it immediately? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say that that's extremely, extremely rare because think of how many different ways people can get in touch with you at school. Um, if you're like me, it's the smart uh, phone. They can text me. Um, I have a phone on my desk. They can buzz me on the intercom. They can get me on the walkie-talkie that's clipped to my belt, or they could do an all-call. Um, there are so many ways people can get in touch with me. Very rarely are people sending me urgent information in an email. And so I also have started to um, train other people that when they ask, hey, did you get my email? I'll say, well, when did you send it? Oh, I sent it 20 minutes ago. Okay. Well, I'll be like, well, you know what? Um, when I check email this afternoon, um, I'll be sure to get back to you. So again, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, because otherwise what's happening is you're checking email all day long. You're disengaging with whatever task you were doing, engaging with email, and then you're in that false productivity trap. You feel like you're getting things done, but really you're not working on meaningful tasks. And um, later on, I'm going to talk about listening to episode seven of this podcast, the top four productivity hacks for busy private school leaders. And one of those hacks has to do with um, how to have a little index card on the corner of your desk so that when you come back from somewhere where you were interrupted or you had a meeting or what have you, and you sit down, that you always know what to do. Because when we don't know what to do, we open email and we start going through email. So number three, schedule time to check email. Number four, it's not the quantity of hours, it's the quality of hours. And what I've found is about 10 years ago, I was working 80 to 90 hour weeks at my school. 
And I got very intentional. It was actually a smart goal, probably about six years ago, I guess, to try to get that down to 60 hours a week. And I was successful in doing that. And my, as far as the amount of work that I got done or my job responsibilities, there was no tangible decrease in that by going from 80 to 90 hour weeks to 60 hours a week. I just got more efficient with my time. And now, um, I said that was six years ago. Now, six years later, it's actually more like around 50 hours a week and I'm getting the same amount of work done that I was before. Um, and there are a lot of ways to, to get there, but I was super inefficient with the use of my time and I'm much more efficient. And listen, just like you, I get interrupted all day long. There are constantly, it's, uh, we have unpredictable jobs and there are all kinds of things that are urgent. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, paint a picture where I lock myself in some padded room and, um, I'm in there and no one can get at me. And I just, you know, am working, um, and super duper efficient and, and productive. Um, it's just about how quickly I can re-engage with a task and then assigning certain tasks to certain times of the day instead of engaging and disengaging all day long with those tasks, especially when it comes to email. All right. So the nine ways to avoid the false productivity trap Number one, turn off social media notifications. Number two, turn off email notifications. Number three, schedule time to check email. Number four, not the quantity of hours, the quality of hours. And number five, abandon the concept of multitasking. So brain science research supports that multitasking is a myth. Task switching is very, very inefficient. And the research shows that it's around 65 seconds to fully re-engage with a task after you have switched tasks. So block time for like tasks. I already talked about scheduling time for emails in the morning and in the afternoon. And again, I know that we're all extremely busy and have unpredictable days, but there are certain times of the day that are a little less busy than others. And so block time for like tasks, <clears throat> instead of making that phone call here and there throughout the day, um, try it, just try it. Um, you know, that you make, you, you know, you have a little bit of time set aside where you're going to get caught up on phone calls in the morning and in the afternoon, phone call after phone call after phone call. Um, and you know, the same thing with the, with, um, the email. And so multitasking is a myth. Um, it takes 65 seconds to re-engage fully with a task. So abandon that concept of multitasking. All right, number six on our strategies for how to overcome and avoid the false productivity trap. Get really clear on two goals. Let me explain, and by that I want you to use your imagination again. All right, I want you to picture this. If you have a favorite football team, I want you to picture your favorite football team. They're lined up on offense, and you have a running back, and the quarterback hands the ball to the running back, and instead of running towards the line, the direction he's supposed to run, he turns around, and he sprints the other direction 40 yards into the end zone. Wrong end zone, safety, two points for the other team. 
All right, so I want you to picture that in your mind. Now, first of all, you'd probably throw something at the TV if you're a big fan. But I also want to say that that running back, he ran those 40 yards in 4.1 seconds. And that's like mind-blowing as far as how fast he ran that. But everyone would be upset and no one would be thrilled or excited or impressed with the 4.1 seconds because he was running really, really fast, but he was running in the wrong direction. So it, it's silly. I know what I just asked you to think about was silly. The running back, instead of running the right direction, he turns around, sprints the other direction really, really fast. But if you're running really, really fast, working really, really hard, but you're going in the wrong direction, then that's not even the definition of uh, of false productivity trap. That's the that's the direction. That's the definition of just um, wasting your time. Um, and so, what I would recommend um, is to get really clear on two goals for the week. Um, on Friday afternoon, you sit down and you're thinking about next week. And you just come up with two things that are that you want that have to get done. I like to call it my must-do list instead of my to-do to-do list. And you write those on your little index card on the corner of your desk on Friday afternoon. Two goals, two tasks that you must get done. And especially if they're like a bigger type project type um, goal, as opposed to just a task like calling a, a parent, um, that you put those there and then you can get really clear on that. And then you won't be running really fast in the wrong direction. You'll be running really fast, but at least it'll be in the right direction because you'll be clear on your goals. All right. couple more. Number seven, assess the meetings on your calendar. So I know that some of your meetings are non-negotiable, um, but we've all seen that meme where it says, you know, this this meeting could have been an email. Well, some of our meetings really could be an email. And, you know, we have our um, typical team meetings and you have board meetings and there are other meetings that are just standing meetings that have to happen. But I just really believe that we need to do an audit of our regularly occurring meetings and also just be really intentional about whether or not the thing that we're going to put on our schedule needs to be a meeting or could be um, an email or a shared Google Doc. And so we need to have a meeting when we need to share sensitive information with our team members verbally, usually about a student or a family situation, when you need a fresh perspective on a current issue that you're tackling. I know that we can't get rid of all emails, but I'm confident that we can get rid of a couple. All right, on to number eight on our nine strategies of how to avoid the false productivity trap. Number eight is ask yourself two questions on Friday afternoon. So I mentioned before, you're gonna get clear on two goals or two must do tasks on Friday afternoon. You're also gonna ask yourself two questions. Friday afternoons, even if you take 10 minutes to do this, it's great for reflection. It'll make you much more productive the next week. First question, what did I accomplish this week? Second question, what do I want to accomplish next week? And I would actually recommend that you write that out on a card or print that off and, and just tape it to the corner of your monitor um, somewhere visible where you're going to be able to see it every week. On Friday afternoon, you ask yourself these two questions. What did I accomplish this week? What do I want to accomplish next week? And then schedule some things into your calendar that are going to help you accomplish that.
And then what you have scheduled in your calendar, you need to treat it like it's a doctor's appointment that was really difficult to get, that you had to wait to get. We treat things on our calendar like everything's negotiable. Um, and we need to really redefine urgent because other people's definition of urgent is not the same as our definition, but other people's priorities tend to really control our day. So Friday afternoon, reflect on those two questions. What did I accomplish this week? What do I want to accomplish next week? And then schedule a little bit of time in your calendar to work on that thing that you've decided that you want to accomplish and you will be more productive. And then finally, number nine is listen to episode seven of this podcast. The title of that episode is the top four productivity hacks for busy private school leaders. I'll link it in the show notes at the privateschoolleader.com slash episode 17. And it's all about um, these four things. Leverage the power of an index card, claim some white space on your calendar, tame your inbox, and decide when you're going to leave school at the end of the day. So those four hacks, episode seven, I really feel strongly about those being a game changer for you. Um, and if you have not listened to it, go listen to it. And if you've already listened to that episode, maybe it's time to listen to it again and to choose one of those strategies and uh, implement it to make yourself more productive. So the big takeaways from today's episode, what is the false productivity trap? It's feeling like you're busy, but your actions are not accomplishing your goals. And why are we addicted to false productivity? Completion bias, we get a little dopamine, random rewards, something might come up good in the email and so we just keep checking. Rule of reciprocation, somebody did something nice and there's an urgent feeling on our part to reciprocate and the shame attached to the hustle culture and that if we're not super busy, we're perceived as lazy. And then the nine ways to avoid the false productivity trap Number one, turn off social media notifications. Number two, turn off email notifications. Number three, schedule time in the day to check email. A little time in the morning, a little time in the afternoon. Remember, number four, it's not the quantity of hours, it's the quality of hours. Number five, abandon multitasking. Number six, get really clear on two goals. Number seven, assess the meetings on your calendar. Number eight, ask yourself two questions on Friday afternoon. And number seven, listen, or excuse me, number nine, listen to episode seven, um, the top four productivity hacks for busy private school leaders. And I will link that in the show notes for you. All right. I always like to give a call to action at the end of every episode. And I'm actually going to give you two and they go together. And it's probably not going to be a surprise, but turn off email notifications on your devices and schedule two times a day when you'll check your email and discipline yourself to limiting um, checking email to those and responding to email to those two times. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, I really, really hope that you got value from this episode. Um, my goal is to help you thrive and not just survive. I want you to just be able to take the knowledge that I have and the mistakes that I made and avoid those mistakes and hope that I can be an encouragement to you and hopefully uh, motivate you um, in this very difficult work that you are doing running your independent school. So be sure to subscribe. Um, I mentioned where the you can get the show notes at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 17. New episode comes out every week. Please um, write a review that pushes the podcast out to more leaders. 
I'm on Instagram at the private school leader and Twitter at the PS leader. And um, just please share this podcast with other leaders or aspiring leaders at your school. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I just want to say how much I appreciate and value you and the hard work that you're doing. And I'm just, I count it a privilege that you've taken time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast. And I will see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.